Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Your main supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Now, good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. It's MJ Cleary with you until 8pm, bringing you the latest from Leash, Offley and Westmead from the worlds of food, farming and agribusiness. Uh, now, all sorts of weather over the last seven days since I was speaking to you last, but some nice mild weather since Monday and a high pressure given for the next few days with some settled weather promised. Uh, so, looking good on the lead up to Christmas. Uh, it's 15th of December, so this day a week will be my last programme before Christmas. That'll be the 22nd and we'll have gone past the shortest day in the year and uh, it'll be no harm to see a little bit of a stretch in the evenings come the new year. Uh, really, the evenings are pretty much finished at the moment from 4pm on. You're uh, you're racing against the clock uh, so it will be no harm when uh, when that change occurs. On to this evening's programme and I'll be covering the following. I have a busy lineup as always and uh, some very interesting pieces. Uh, one of those being uh, the area of water leaks on your farm. So, are you concerned that you might have a water leak? Is your water meter running more than you think it should be but you don't know where to start looking uh, obviously a very almost impossible task to find a leak uh, buried in a network of piping underneath land but help is at hand a county leash man has a leak detection business but the difference with this service is that the leak detection is carried out by a dog canine leak detection services operated by Kevin Flanagan from a Boris in Austria uses Penny the dog to find leaks and to hear more about this stay tuned and I'll be speaking to Kevin a little bit later in the hour about how it works uh, how Penny was trained and uh, how quick uh, she can just find a leak uh, pretty fascinating to be honest and that's towards the end of the hour uh, scientists in Chagas have been conducting research into gut health and it's a hugely important area because if your gut health is compromised then it has a huge bearing on the rest of your health what can we do to help our gut health well we can consume foods which help our gut barrier the best food which we can consume according to research is none other than milk milk protein is at the top of the tree and it contains everything we need so we'll hear more on the benefits of milk in our diet and how it helps our gut a little bit later in the program Farmer Time is an initiative being run by Airfield Estate in Dublin. It's where farmers connect with a class of school children and have video calls with them explaining what they do on their farm. The plan is that linking up farmers and school children will give them a better understanding of the origins of food. Uh, Ray Dunn, who you'll all remember as a former presenter of the programme here, Country Life, is one of those farmers and he's linking up with a school in Crumlin to give them an in- insight into the workings of his farm. Uh, he, along with the coordinator of Farmer Time will join me later for a chat. Ray is also involved in the farmer's market in Tullamore and he will speak to me about what's on offer at Tullamore Food Fair as they call it uh, for Christmas with a couple of busy days ahead before the festive season. Now as always you can send a text into the programme on 083 30 10 103 and I'd be happy to read it out or to put a question to any of our guests this evening. Uh, to kick off this evening we are going to speak about the livestock trade uh, the cap negotiations and the fact that Irish sheep meat can now enter the USA and we have none other than livestock expert Darren Carty. Darren, uh, expert is the right word isn't it when we're talking uh, about your area of expertise? I think uh, you're you're building me up MJ. Uh, never, 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 never Darren. Uh, Darren, we'll kick off. Look, it's coming to the end of the year. Uh, a lot of marts finishing up this week uh, coming towards maybe one or two at the start of next week, maybe Monday, but that, that will be about it for 2021. Um, how has the trade been over the last few weeks, the back end of the year, Darren? Yeah, been been pretty good, uh, MJ. Like on the cattle side of things, 
it probably strengthened a bit that we seen there was maybe to the start of November in the October Weenlands had gone into a difficult trade uh, the trade in recent weeks has improved and also the trade for Finnish cattle has improved and cows have been strong all year and they've actually a bit more life in them as well but definitely any say forward store buttocks forward store heifers or even slaughter fit animals it's a real good option for farmers that are struggling to negotiate with factories to say dip into that trade now at the moment and the uh, likes of the likes of the lighter not stopping you there the likes of the lighter stores yeah. uh, how have they been over the last few weeks in the mart those kind of 400 to 450 kilo animals is there an appetite for them there is but I suppose the biggest the biggest dictator on price and that is age that is all of this time of the year, fellas are looking at a sort of bullock or a heifer they can let back out to grass and they can easily kill under 30 months of age. Or even better, if they're, I suppose, a good forward animal that's only coming up towards maybe a year and a half, that time, that type of thing. They're anywhere sort of for nice, good continental cattle from 220 to 250 a kilo. And probably one of the things that has got the most boost uh, in recent weeks is Angus and Herf the cattle are back now around 2 euros a kilo they had dipped back to maybe 185 190 but anywhere from 2 euros to 210 a kilo uh, and a ripe bit of bite for them too uh, Planner stock then likes of the Frisian much interest in them in March in the last few weeks Darren? There hasn't been a huge amount of them turning up so there hasn't this. we probably see at this time of the year that the Frisians are probably a spring sort of animal to come out there hasn't been any say 2021 born animals out some maybe 2020 born animals and anywhere sort of from 140 to 165 maybe 170 a kilo uh, for the better type you might get into 180 for the sort of British region types but you're, there's, there's a wide variation there anywhere from 140 to 180 uh, look at demand isn't too bad for them but it's I, most of them are sort of maybe a spring animal for, for grass rather than sort of one for heading into the shed now at the moment yeah absolutely and uh, obviously look mar trade dependent hugely on the factory trade are factory buyers hungry for cattle at the moment I know we're gone past the, the Christmas cut off now well past it at this stage but uh, was there a good appetite over the last few weeks there was and you know there was a lot of different I suppose maybe reports or discussions going out there was a lot of maybe fear that the fact that say Christmas parties or that were being cancelled that there would be a maybe dip in demand but from what we're hearing is that it took maybe a bit of a few days to change and that the retailers are now seeing that they are expecting more demand say supermarket demand butchers are expecting more demand on the back of I suppose maybe people maybe planning to stay at home planning to maybe have uh, family gatherings or that sort of small smaller gatherings than what would have been seen so the demand is still there maybe being driven by a different say, form but like we see this week probably a bit stronger demand for heifers they're tight in July maybe 430, 435 of a base bullocks moving anywhere from 420 to 425 even 430 if you've got a mixed deals with heifers so definitely I know the Christmas sort of orders have sort of passed but demand isn't showing any signs of slowing and I think that's probably helped by numbers being relatively low. Yeah, very good. Uh, moving on to sheep, uh, Darren. Uh, we saw the sheep trade going di- dipping, a bit like a roller coaster there in the last while, and it came back up a lot there maybe a month, five weeks ago. Where's it at at the moment? Fortunately, it's probably 
Well, sorry, I won't say it's dipping, but factories are trying to, I suppose, maybe pull it back a small bit on the back of two weeks of a high kill. So last week's kill was up near 60,000. Uh, that was probably coming from the fact that factories pulled prices three or four weeks ago. There was lambs held up and then they came. And this time of the year, you're normally going to get an increase coming into businesses. People want to sell before, say, the mass break or that type of thing. So prices are maybe easier than by, to, by the tune of 5 to 10 cents at the top of the market in this Sellers that would have been, say, have a bit more negotiating power, the factories would have been maybe competing a bit more in the last week. They're getting numbers maybe a small bit easier now. They're cautious not to pull prices because uh, they don't want numbers dying up. But on the other side, then, what you'll see over, I suppose, maybe next week in particular is there's reports of a lot of deals of 740 to 750 being given for big lots being, being supplied by specialist finishers for over the Christmas period. Mm. Uh, so you're going to have a big mix over, I suppose, the next two, two and a half weeks. But in general, the, the trade is holding solid. Yeah, I can't complain really with that uh, coming up to Christmas week, 740, 750. And on uh, the sheep trade, Darren, uh, you had a good piece in last week's journal and that was about the uh, USA opening up to European sheep meat. Uh, what benefit is this going to be to Irish farmers? I know it's a, it's a bit of a spin over to the USA now with, uh, with, with meat. Is that going to be a barrier? Is it going to provide much more of a market for us? No, probably what it'll do, MJ, is this it'll give it another option or another high-value option outlet. It's not going to take huge volumes. Uh, I'd liken it to maybe Ireland got access to Canadian uh, markers in 2015. We're now exporting around 1,200 tonnes, say, sheep meat, which isn't big figures, but it's 1,200 tonnes that doesn't have to go somewhere in Europe, and it's a pretty high-value market. Processors would hold out more hope for the US markers that they'd say that the strong Irish links would hopefully benefit it. But it's also, the US market is also a lot, lot bigger a market than than the Canadian market. It's it's funny, like, US consumers only eat 0.4 of a kilo of sheep meat on average. But when you multiply that up across such a wide population, they have a requirement for 200,000 tonnes of sheep meat. Production has fallen rapidly in the US they've gone from importing around 70,000 tonnes of sheep meat to 130,000 tonnes that's been filled by New Zealand and Australia who are also sending more sheep meat to China so it can only spell good news MJ in that it gives another option for Irish sheep meat as I say look it won't be huge huge volume but I think it'll be a nice little bow uh, for, for factories to be uh, as a sort of release valve when numbers are high to be able to maybe portion or to send some a high value cuts out there. And that figure you mentioned, Darren, about the US consumer eating the 0.4 of a kilo, uh, how often, what, the 0.4 of a kilo per, what, what's the period of time in that? That's really not much, sure, son. No, like that's over a year. Over, you, over, over a year, so half, half, yeah, it's a, it's a few chops, really, you know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> you put that into context, you eat 50 kilos of pork, 25 kilos of, sorry, 50 kilos of poultry, 25 kilos of beef, and 23 kilos of pork. So, look, it's a small market, but it's a high-value market. It's a very niche market, and I suppose it's a bit like the European market. The consumers are a mix of, say, maybe the older consumers, but also uh, an ethnic 
minority that would be in the East Coast in particular. Yes. Uh, and and look, that's I suppose maybe it does it does have some potential to develop that market. In this, if they did have more access to sheep meat, the USDA would imagine or would see that they could continue to grow consumption. It'll be from a very small base, so there is scope there. Uh, the uh, US sheep markets, uh, sheep sheep farmers, I should say, uh, Darren, where, where are they based in the US? You, you would never, ever think of uh, sheep farmers in the USA. Large ranches is what comes to mind straight away, isn't it? Yes, and, and I suppose the so little sheep that, that you won't get that. So they're pretty much close enough to the Irish sector in this. There's about, say, two and a half, 2.8 million euros. At any one time, there's about five and a half million sheep on farms. They're, I'd liken it mostly to a sort of West of Ireland sort of system. In mm. this. A lot of them are ran on, say, uh, ar- arid regions where there's very little growth. California is a big state for them, Texas, all the West Coast where there isn't a lot of hope to do much else with some of the land there. It's on very bare land. And then them, say the progeny from them, similar to the West of Ireland as well, is transferred to, say, more productive areas and a lot of them fed in feedlots. Uh, like a huge, huge ra- variation between there's some very big producers and then there's a massive number of small-scale producers that have a handful of sheep like this something like 100,000 sheep farmers or sheep keepers registered, which is massive when you take into account. We have the same flock numbers here, and we have about 40,000. Be hugely interesting, Darren, to do some sort of a TV documentary on uh, US sheep farming, wouldn't it? You'd, I, I, I'd say you'd meet some very interesting people, those smaller farmers out in America. It goes totally against what you think about when you're thinking about the huge American, the vastness of the farms out there. Um, massively. Like, like it's something that we've been looking at as well is this is it to contact them to see what is happening out there. Like they're enjoying, like everywhere else in the world, higher global sheep prices. Their prices are running the equivalent of 80 cents a kilo over this time last year. So US sheep farmers are, I suppose, they're, they're buoyed by it. But like everywhere, like New Zealand, Australia, Europe, there's, it's, it's not really attracting a lot of new, younger farmers into the, into the sector. So like... People would ask me, what do you think 2022 would hold? You'd have to say, with with production falling in the EU, less New Zealand sheep meat around, less UK sheep meat, that it has to spell uh, good positives uh, uh, for 2022. Like I, I think we'll have another good year ahead of us. Whether or not we'll reach the record prices this year, I don't know, but we definitely won't fall back to where we were previous to that. Yeah, so good news for sheep farmers. Darren, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to say many thanks for that great roundup, and I'm going to say happy Christmas to you, and thanks for joining us a number of times over 2021. We'll be speaking to you again in 2022. Perfect. All is glad to talk with Jim J. Uh, Darren Carty there from the Irish Farmers Journal. I'm going to shoot to a break really quickly because after the break, I'm going to be talking to Ruth Fitzsimon. She's from Farmer Time. It's an initiative being ran by Airfield Estate in Dublin. It's linking up farmers with school children around the country. And we have none other than Ray Dunn, former presenter of Country Life. He's one of the farmers linking up with a school in Dublin. And uh, Ray and Ruth are going to join us in just a moment to tell us all about it. So stay tuned. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now, we're moving on to speak about an initiative called Farmer Time. And I have Ruth Fitzsimon. She's one of the organisers of it on the line. I also have Ray Dunn, former presenter of Country Life, on the line. And uh, Ray will be speaking to me in just a moment. But first, I'm going to talk to Ruth. And I'm going to say, Ruth, many thanks for joining me on the programme here this evening. 
Oh, you're welcome, MJ. Thanks for uh, making the time available for us. Uh, no problem at all, Ruth. So, uh, farmer time. Uh, can you explain it to us all, please? What exactly is this initiative? Sure can. It's it's a very sort of unique programme that is linking schools and farmers across the country. Now, we started it um, through, from Airfield Estate on a trial basis earlier on this year between Easter and June with four schools, four farmers. Went very well. And then we launched a campaign to um, get schools and farmers nationwide signed up um, across the summer. And from September until now, uh, we have 50 schools and farmers registered on the programme. So um, what they're thought, yeah, it's really, it's really, we're impressed at how it's sort of grown organically. Um, And what they're doing is they're volunteering, the farmers are volunteering their time to offer two calls uh, a month direct into classrooms and the schools that have signed up are primary and secondary schools um, and it's about linking into sort of in classrooms now the young people are not only going to be the future consumers of food produced in Ireland there's a potential there for more young farmers who are going to be coming up through the rains and and possibly becoming the future of agriculture in Ireland so it's about um, farmers being able to tap in uh, to classrooms to help guide and teach them about food production and also diverse agriculture and what farming sort of faces in Ireland um, today. Yeah, fantastic. No, great initiative, Ruth, no question about it. Uh, the background, the thinking on it, uh, who, who came up with it, I suppose? Why, why did you decide to do it? Uh, what was the impetus behind it? Well, it started um, in the UK and LEAF UK are an organisation that's they link environment and farming and they are very much involved in the UK in classrooms, in this sort of have a, there's a country classroom initiative as well um, and it's already been running for a couple of years over the UK and it's spread across to Finland, Sweden, Australia and more recently New Zealand. So this is an international programme and really we felt that the mission of Farmer Time sits very well with the mission of Airfield Estate. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the history of Airfield, MJ. I'd say down in this part of the world, route, and not overly so, our listeners probably aware of it all right, but not uh, not 100% familiar with it. You'll have to come up and visit us for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are, you are, you're, a la- you're a large farm, basically, in South County Dublin. It's not essentially it. Yeah, almost almost 40 acres. I mean, it's not my farm. <laughs> you sound like it's mine. <laughs> so it's 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 an urban working farm, um, and I mean, it was it was left in trust to the people of Ireland back in 1974 um, by the Overend sisters who used um, to live there and work the farm. But they were very much in an early stage before these words were even in our vernacular. They were very much all about self sufficiency and sustainability. Um, an ethos that was very much about providing back to the community. And that's what's great about this mission, is that it sits so well with what Airfield Estate is already doing, because we're very much about engaging and inspiring community members to make the best food choices that they can. And that's where farmer time comes in from a young age, or right up to those who are studying agricultural studies, late uh, secondary school, who may not have set foot on a farm before. Farmer time is giving them that direct real-time conversations with farmers um, about what a pos- what the possibility of agricultural life would look like for those who are studying it. But it also is teaching students about the reality of well, what it takes to put a pint of milk into your fridge. Um, more recently, how the likes of Storm Barra can affect 
you know, how a farmer is working. Most kids would have just said, oh, we're home from school for the day. And then they learn um, what could have happened on a farm and how that can affect their working day and the production of what they've been working on. Um, so it, it's an all round education around food, food production and the farming industry. Yeah, no, uh, excellent, uh, Ruth, no question about it and uh, hugely necessary. Uh, and that leads on to my next question, the feedback. What is the feedback you're getting from schools, teachers, uh, the children who are involved? Are they enjoying it? Honestly, I've been overwhelmed. It's it's immensely positive. We've we've kind of been sending out newsletters to the members who've signed up and there in November I was asking them to come back with feedback. And um, not only are we getting very positive responses from um the teachers in the schools who are involved, but the farmers themselves are telling us that it's like a breath of fresh air for them because a lot of the time your day is spent um, carrying out your work on your own. And this focus of an interaction um, is not only sort of keeping them occupied during that sort of 15-minute call twice a month, they're also thinking about what they're doing on the farm differently because some of the farmers will take small videos of something as they're doing it send it on to the teacher in advance and then they will do the Zoom call based on the children having watched um, some activity that was happening on the farm. So the farmers are just saying they're just once it's sometimes with the smaller kids it can take a little bit of you know, one or two calls to get up and running but once you rouse their curiosity sure they don't stop asking the questions and it's great then for the farmers to be able to interact and see that the children are really interested and at the other end we've had um as I mentioned, there are some students who'd be doing the likes of ag studies. We've um, we've had feedback from these students saying they they're now understanding more about their curriculum because they can ask questions, um, and the answers make sense to them because the farmer is working on what they're learning about. Yeah, very good. Out of a textbook. And yeah. and on that route, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to say many thanks to you for giving us a, a great background on it and setting it out. And I'm going to move across now uh, to one of those farmers and uh, none other than Ray Dunn, former presenter of the program here, Country Life. Ray, welcome home. Welcome back. Good evening, MJ. How are you? We're going good, Ray. So you are one of the farmers that are involved in this Farmer Time uh, initiative. Uh, how many calls have you done, uh, Ray? What's your school? Give us a bit of background on it, please. Uh, I'm, I signed up to it a little while ago, but um, I've only just begun um, uh, talking to the school kids that have been uh, paired with. The school I'm paired with is in Crumlin in Dublin. It's a junior junior, junior cert uh, secondary school class. So um, it's probably fair to say that their knowledge of farming is somewhere <laughs> close to zero or below, <laughs> um, and uh, which which is which is good and it's kind of fun because it's uh, it's, it's it's interesting to see the sort of questions you get and uh, and 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 their their interest in farming or their knowledge of farming. But it's it's I've done I've done two of them at this stage and it's very enjoyable and uh, the feedback from the school and the students has been very positive. And what did you talk about in the first video, Ray? Um, I, I kind of try to keep it pretty simple and explain to them um, the difference between a, a cow and a bull and a heifer and, and a calf and so on. Uh, as you probably know, most, most kids these days refer to all uh, livestock as being cows. Uh, so it was, they, they, they found it interesting to sort of uh, relate to a man and a woman, a cow and a bull, uh, a boy and a girl, a heifer and a bull calf, and so on. And uh, I'd sent them a couple of videos in before. They were fascinated. I, uh, because I'm an autumn calving short-horn suckler herd, I was able to send them in a picture of a cow that had just calved, and the cow was licking the calf, and so on. So they were fascinated with that. 
Yeah, fantastic stuff. And as uh, Ruth said earlier, it is about trying to inform food choices. So look, you're starting from the ground up and you do sell your beef direct from the farm, uh, Ray, at farmers markets uh, around the Midlands and uh, most notably in Tullamore. Uh, you have a, a stall there every Saturday uh, selling, as you said, your shorthorn meat. And you have a busy couple of weeks coming up uh, where you'd like people to support local and, uh, and buy from their local farmers market. Yeah, exactly. Um, like uh, Farmer time is... Is, is is great because kids get to see the effort that goes into producing food and uh, the farmers markets are an important avenue for people to be able to meet their farmers and their local producers. We in Tullamore have a, a busy couple of weeks ahead. We um, we have our Saturday uh, market which is u- the usual Saturday market with all the various food stalls but we also have craft stalls there uh, for people who want to come up and buy Christmas gifts as well. And then next Thursday, that's Thursday the twenty. 20- 3rd of December, just two days before Christmas, uh, we have all of our food stalls back again so that customers can go up and get the freshest produce they can before Christmas. Uh, they'll be picking up their turkeys and their hams and their, their locally grown veg and, and breads and cakes and so on. Yeah, so two very busy days, this Saturday and next Thursday. I'm going to say many thanks, Ray, for joining us and filling us in on Farmer Time. And I'm also going to say thanks to uh, Ruth Fitzsimon there, the organiser for coming on. And uh, that initiative is called Farmer Time. And uh, if you're interested in it or you want to hear more about it, if you just Google Farmer Time, it will pop up and uh, you can see all about it. And as Ray said there, uh, two uh, big days coming up in Tullamore Food Fair. We have this Saturday and we have next Thursday. And I'm going to make a plea to you now uh, as uh, farmers and uh, uh, people involved in agriculture and country livers in general who's listening. There may be lots of town dwellers listening as well. Can you please make an, an, uh, a concerted effort uh, to shop local this Christmas? So we have lots of markets around the Midlands we've in Tullamore we've in Leash uh, they're all around but not only that there's people selling uh, different produce at home there's people selling eggs at their uh, gates there's people selling uh, turkeys locally there's people selling all sorts of uh, of wares uh, in your locality and if we can make a concerted effort to buy local buy vegetables local buy uh, food local for Christmas it will make a difference and it'll make a difference to not only the people selling it but also to agriculture uh, in general and if we support local as opposed to going to the so supermarkets and buying a bag of carrots for 49 cent that came from God knows where um, if we bought them locally we would have more value on them ourselves as well we're thinking about these food choices so making good food choices and buying nutritious local food is uh, is something that will benefit us all going forward and uh, if you take that on board uh, I think it's going to benefit everyone uh, now coming up after the break we are going to be speaking on that area of health and of diet and the importance of dairy in the diet for good gut health and I'm going to be speaking with Linda Giblin from Chagas so stay tuned for that and you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving the conversation over to uh, the benefits of dairy in the diet. And we have uh, someone who uh, has a lot of expertise in this area and that's Linda Giblin from Chagas. Linda, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Thank you, MJ, for having me on your show. Uh, you're more than welcome, Linda. And as I said, we're going to talk about the benefits of dairy in the diet. Uh, but first, uh, can you tell listeners exactly what you do with Chagas, please? Okay, so I work on proteins and I work on how they are digested in the gut and cross the gut barrier to have a health benefit. And milk protein is the gold standard. So milk, uh, drinking milk is very good for our gut, which in turn is very good for our health. That's really it in a nutshell, is it, uh, Linda? Well, well, milk protein. So 
not all proteins are the same. So um, proteins are made up of individual units called amino acids, and milk proteins have all 21 amino acids, including the nine essential amino acids, and they're very easily digested in the gut. But our gut digests these proteins into strings of amino acids called peptides, and these peptides can have a biological activity. So milk is full of these bioactive peptides. And what I'm interested in is how these milk peptides interact with the gut barrier and how they cross the gut barrier into our bloodstream. And you recreate uh, the environment of a gut in the lab, don't you, Linda? Uh, we do indeed here in Chagas. So we, it takes 21 days for us to grow a gut in the lab. And the gut barrier is very unusual. It's a single layer of cells and each cell holds hands with its neighbour. It's the gatekeeper to decide what foods are going to pass from the gut into the bloodstream. And so we want to keep that gut barrier healthy. So you'll see in irritable bowel syndrome or inflammatory bowel disease or in celiac, the gut barrier is often leaky and inflamed. So what we do here in Chagas is we look to see what foods, and particularly milk peptides, keep that gut barrier healthy. And I impart, or well, I lead in European network on how we add food digester to the gut barrier that we grow here in the lab. And we would have seen, Linda, in the last number of years, probably lessening slightly, uh, but two, three years ago, uh, especially a, a big push on uh, veganism. And obviously veganism is cutting uh, dairy out of the diet. So and you see people replacing milk then with these various nut uh, drinks or um, oats juice and almond juice uh, being put into coffee uh, and whatnot and these being used on cereal and stuff Uh, presumably people have to be quite careful if you're removing milk if milk has all these 21 amino acids uh, these nut drinks uh, definitely don't have the same amount I would be guessing so it's uh, it's kind of risky territory unless you really know what you're doing if you remove uh, dairy from your diet Yeah, I agree. So, MJ, um, milk proteins have, as I said, that three gold stars. They have all the amino acids, they're easily digestible, and they have these bioactive peptides. So if you compare this to plant proteins, you need to mix and match the plant proteins to get all the essential amino acids and to get all the amino acids. And they're not quite as easily digestible in the gut. And I'd also say we eat vegetables and fruit not really for their protein content, but because they supply us with vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and fibers. But if you're going to replace the protein, you need to be careful because the milk protein is really the gold standard. And we're talking about uh, about milk and, as you said, milk protein. Uh, is there any studies done on the benefits of, uh, say, unprocessed milk versus processed milk, Linda? So we know that uh, milk, yeah. is, milk goes through, you know, pasteurization, homogenization versus raw milk, the way it used to be drank years and years ago. Yeah, so we've done some work on that. Now, we have looked at dairy processing, and we do find that the gut barrier prefers a gentler heating system. Now, we do heat milk so that it is um, safe for human consumption, so that's very important. But a gentler heating system seems to work best for the gut barrier. But the other things I've found in the lab recently are that peptides in milk can increase our feelings of fullness. So it helps us with manage our weight. 
And we also find that peptides in milk can cross the gut barrier and have health benefits to aging muscle. So here in Chagas, we grow, um, we grow muscle and we age it, and then we add the milk peptides that we know cross the gut barrier. And we find that they delay the aging process. So therefore, for the older adult, drinking milk is a good thing too for muscle and frailty, etc. Fantastic. And my final question before I let you go is how much uh, milk do you recommend per day for your average adult? Uh, is there a, a recommended daily allowance or does it depend on, on the person? Yeah, so the recommended daily allowance for milk, yogurt and cheese is three servings a day. And people can see that from the food permit. You can get that um, online. So we would recommend three servings of milk, yogurt or cheese per day. But in terms of protein, the recommended dietary allowance for protein is 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So if you're a 60 kg woman, you should be eating about 48 grams of protein. Good quality protein that contains all the amino acids, including the nine essential amino acids. Very good. Uh, Linda, I'm going to say many thanks to you uh, for a really good roundup there. And look, it's a very technical area, okay. but you explained it very well uh, and very simply and very clearly. So I'm going to say many thanks. And we're giving a big thumbs up to milk, uh, which is a, a, is a good thing. And that's what we want to hear. And many thanks for coming on and joining me on the programme. Thanks a million, MJ. Bye-bye. Uh, Linda Giblin there from Chagas. Uh, so, thumbs up for milk. Uh, has um, basically all, all you need in relation to uh, milk protein. And uh, interesting on that part about the, uh, the processing of the milk. So, a gentler processing leads to uh, um, a, a better quality milk. And uh, the raw milk, as I, as I mentioned there, uh, back in the day when people had a, a cow for the house, uh, it wasn't pasteurised or wasn't homogenised. And I can't imagine the people years and years ago had many gut problems. Uh, I'd be guessing they had none at all. And uh, maybe it is that over-processing of food in general now that's uh, going against our health. Uh, coming up after the break, I'm going to be talking about water leaks. So we have a very interesting piece here, I have to say. Canine leak detection is run by uh, a leashman, Kevin Flanagan, and he has a dog that can detect the leak in an underground pipe. So stay tuned. We're going to be talking about that in just a moment. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. And now I have a piece on leak detection. Uh, none other than leak detection. It's something that is an issue for farmers uh, around the Midlands, without doubt. And I have uh, the man to talk to, and that's Kevin Flanagan. Kevin, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Uh, good morning, MJ. Thanks for having me on. Uh, more than welcome, Kevin. So, as I said, it's a leak detection service, but not like any others I have ever heard. Your leak detection expert is a dog. Uh, what's the background of this business, please, Kevin? Tell me. I sure, the dog um, will find almost any leak, every leak, any one that a farmer would have or on any country road or town or village or anywhere. She, um, she basically goes along where the pipe would be in the ground and when the chlorine would be, where the leak would be, the, the water would be leaking and the chlorine would be coming out of the water and the dog, like any dog detective that's trained to smell, it'll smell the chlorine. And she stops and indicates there and then you have your leak there underground. You might, you might not necessarily see a water leak because the water could be going downwards, but the gas will always be coming up. And so as you can... detects the gas and... Let me know. Yeah, as you called her, a dog detective. Uh, so let's yeah. talk about your, your dog detective. What's your dog's name, Kevin? Penny. Penny. And where did Penny, uh, where did she originate from? She originated, she was trained in England. She was born and trained in England. She was a dog detective as an England trainer. Uh, so I'm presuming it's a similar training as what police dogs would go through to smell drugs or, or something like that. Yes, 
the very same people train the dog, explosives dogs, drug dogs, anything to that kind of thing. Yeah, the very same people. Yeah. And is this this is something I haven't heard of before? Uh, is it something that's uh, going on in Ireland? Are there many people at no. it? No, it wouldn't be common in Ireland at all. Now, no, it would be common in Europe and maybe Australia, places like that. But this is about the first dog in Ireland, really, that we know of that's trained to do the job. And, uh, and, and is 100% successful at the job. Yeah, well, as I was going to say, success rate is important. Say, for example, pipes that are very uh, buried, uh, very deep. Does does depth of pipe have a, have a bearing no. on uh, whether she can find it or not? Definitely not. No. Because the gas, anywhere the chlorine is in the pipes, the gas leaks up. So it doesn't matter if it's only one foot or 20 foot down, the gas always rises. So when the gas rises, she smells the chlorine that's after coming out of the pipe. Now, and what I'm thinking of, uh, uh, Kevin, from a farming perspective, is uh, you could have a, um, a wagon pipe uh, buried uh, along the, the headland of a field and it's going into another field and it's going up and you have water troughs and you have connectors on them and you have joiners and God knows they were dug in years and years and years ago. Uh, if your water meter is running a little bit more than you think it should be or it never stops, which some of them aren't, uh, it is costing you money. Uh, so the likes of Penny could come in and if you were to just show basically where the pipe is, walk up along the headland... Uh, that, that would be enough. She would be able to detect a leak. Better in a field than on concrete. Mm. On, a, on a tarmac Adam road, it's a little bit harder. But in a, in a farmer's field or on grassland, anything like that, easy. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Just and follow the pipeline anywhere within the region, within a few metres either side, all the way along. She'll just go along and indicate, stop and indicate, like, you'd see, like, maybe, like, where a cocker spaniel or something like that would indicate to say a pheasant is there. She will just go stop with her paws down and look up at me and say, there. And for Penny to be trained is, is, is fair enough. She's trained as a dog detective. But for her handler, for likes of yourself to be trained, um, how did you, you figure out how to manage her? Did you have to go for a couple of days over to England and get, get trained in yeah. yourself? Yeah, you see, my brother Noel is, does a lot of shooting and he does a lot of work with dogs. I don't do as much myself. But Noel always with dogs. So we sent him over. He got trained up with the dog. And then the handlers came over here for two weeks and the handover was more or less done to Noel when the dog was used to Noel. So Noel is the only one now that handles the dog and goes out every day with the dog. Uh, so all it's very specialist, like yeah, very, very specialist. specialist. Yeah, one and person. Yeah, and all of this work uh, that you did, Kevin, uh, buying the dog, going to England, your brother going over, they coming over. Uh, this all sounds like big money. Um, I'd say you made a, a significant yeah. investment here. There is a big investment to buy the dog in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, and and how are you finding uh, business since since you got out there? I know, look, uh, stuff like this is going to help. It's going to get your name out there. Are you finding it's growing organically through word of mouth, or are you using uh, social yeah. media, or how are you getting out there? Yeah, social media and the word of mouth, and anyone that hears about it, and when they see it working, can't just believe it. Mm. How a dog can detect the water, but it's the chlorine she detects, not never the water. She never hears the water flow, and she never. It's always the chlorine that's smelling the water she detects. And with working the dog then, Kevin, it is, um, like, any, like any worker, uh, she needs breaks and she needs rest periods. Oh, uh, yeah. how, long, oh, how, yeah. how long can she kind of go for without then needs a break, needs, needs to relax and recharge the batteries and go again? No, the same as the human. She, he, she goes out to work, does her job. Noel would say he'd bring her out for uh, a start off in the morning just to get her going. And then he'd maybe work it for an hour, back to the van, have a break. She goes into her little, little cage in the van. She has her break. She might have a little snack drink of water, uh, goes back out for another few hours and uh, she'd never do a long day or anything like that. It's, mm. like, it wouldn't be fair on him or the dog. So mm. it's not like, you know, he'd be going day and night or working hard all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The dog has to be minded as well, you know.
Uh, you might do us a, a favour down in the Midlands, Kevin, because the, yep. the pipeline is meant to be, that Shannon pipeline is meant to be coming through my own farm and uh, uh, through, through a lot of the Midlands and we don't, we don't particularly want it. So you might go up to Dublin and uh, sort out the leaks up around the city there because there's about 60% of the water is flowing into the ground, I believe. Yeah, there is loads. You wouldn't believe the amount of leaks we find and the amount of water that's leaking all the time is unbelievable. Yeah, there must be. Yeah, there must be. Like when you think about all pipe networks, and we're talking about water and farms, but there's there's water going everywhere, at every house in the, in in the country. A lot of those pipe networks are, are so old. There really must be a horrendous amount of leaks if you, if you were to get stuck into it. There was one leak there in Rathdown that we got about two weeks ago. It's been going on for seemingly a few years. They looked for it, couldn't find it. Penny found it in about ten minutes. About sixteen thousand liters a day. Wow. Yeah, so even yeah. the other side of this, Kevin, as well, and it's a, it's a, an avenue I suppose we haven't explored, but that's the environmental side of this. Like, Penny is providing a service which has a massive environmental impact. Like, water, you know, is something you need power, you need uh, to source it, to push it, to, to run it. Uh, so, like, when you find these leaks and you put them, you're, you're not processing the water, you're not using electricity to pump it. There's a massive environmental benefit to it all as well. Massive. Yeah, yeah, there's a massive saving of water. Not maybe as much this time of year, people don't notice as much. But in the summertime when water is low, yeah, the phone was hopping. And uh, can you come and see I have a leak? And, you know, it doesn't take long to find a leak. Mostly, you know, from the road into a house, it's relatively quick to find a leak. Or inside in the house, it's relatively quick to find a leak. Mm. So it is a very simple, quick system. But it, the other systems that are there are like the ear things they put on your ears. And they go around checking and listening, like, you know, like the heart monitors. They do eventually find it. But with the dog, 50, 60 times quicker and handier. Yeah, very good. Go and sniff around. She sets. You dig a hole, fix your pipe, be on your way. Job done. And Kevin, just before I let you go, because I'm just out of time, if people are interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way of contacting the business? I should have mobile. Will I give you my mobile? Yeah, you can shout out the mobile number there. Shout is 087-097-8660. Right. So you can look me up on Facebook on Rushall Plant Services or... I'd be well known, sort of fellow. Uh, you can mention my name anywhere, and people will know me. And I, I have a plant hire business as well, so lots of people would know me anyway. So yeah. I hope uh, get in contact with me. And people can get in contact through you that way. Well, Kevin, listen, yeah. I, I think it's a great idea. And uh, look, as I said, there's significant investment there. So we wish you all the best with it. And uh, I think it's a good service you're providing. So hopefully uh, a, a, a good, successful future for you. And many thanks for joining me here on the programme. Thanks for the call. Thanks very much. Uh, Kevin Flanagan there, and that's K9 Leak Detection. And that number again is 087-097-8660. And I found Kevin by uh, putting K9 Leak Detection into Google and he popped up uh, on the search. Uh, now, that's it for this evening. And uh, I'd like to thank all my guests this evening. Uh, Kevin just there, Linda Giblin from Chagas, uh, Ray Dunn and Ruth Fitzsimons from Farmer Time and Darren Carty from the Irish Farmers Journal. I'll be back with you this time next week. The show is repeated Sunday morning at 6am. Next week will be the last program program before Christmas and uh, I will uh, be off uh, the uh, the Christmas week but we'll be back in January and uh, that is it for this evening Joe Cooney's up next with Country Roads I'll say goodnight and God bless and we'll talk to you in a week Country Life on Midlands 103 brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore your main supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands worshaw.ie free 2022 glossy farming calendar it's one of the farming favourites of the year and you can get your free IFA calendar only inside today's Irish Farmers Journal for more on this week's Farmers Journal here's Paul Mooney we reveal the new slurry and fertiliser rules for your farm Government plan to save and restore old farm buildings and farmhouses. And payments for straw scheme and BDGP are on the way. 
This week's Irish Farmers Journal with your free IFA calendar and Mokra magazine is on sale now. You know it's Christmas when the limited edition festive five ounce is back at Supermax. Made with fresh, never frozen, 100% prime Irish beef and cooked to order. Topped with caramelized onions and mushroom, melted cheese and creamy peppercorn mayo in a freshly baked Kaiser bun. The festive five ounce at Supermax. The freshness is in the taste. Help support your calves and young stock this spring with an AHV calf rearing program designed to support the developing immune system from birth until weaning. By building their natural resistance, you will see better growth rates and less mortality leading to more productive cows for your future herd. Your future herd starts now. Get in touch with an AHV consultant who can tailor make your on-farm protocols for your farm by calling 057 86 88 858 or see ahvint.com Here's some good news Ireland from now on our recycling bins can be used for all plastics yes even soft plastics just make sure everything is clean, dry and loose so it can all be sorted properly. Which means that together we can try to recycle even more and continue our journey to be more sustainable. So pop all your plastics in your recycling bin. See mywaste.ie for more. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. Solace, Ireland's only eco-garden centre and food court, is now open in Port Arlington with a wide selection of environmentally friendly garden products plus all your favourite plants. Visit us today, relax in our food court, enjoy tasty coffee, sample stone-baked pizza and see our amazing centre built from recycled shipping containers. See thegardenshop.ie in Leash, Offaly and Westmeath on your phone, your smart speaker and on midlands183.com This is Midlands 183 News It's 8 o'clock, good evening the news with Alan Cantwell the health minister has said the number of new COVID cases and hospitalisations from the Omicron variant could be worse than the peak of Delta in January. Stephen Donnelly says NEFET modelling has predicted very large numbers of Omicron cases in a number of scenarios. He's confirmed the extension of booster vaccine centre opening hours from 8am to 8pm. While the 15-minute wait time after a vaccination is being waived to increase the number of vaccines GPs and pharmacies can give. NEFET will meet tomorrow to consider further restrictions over Christmas, with the health minister refusing to speculate on what they may be. In a stark warning this evening, Stephen Donnelly said the coming wave could be very bad. When you were asking me, is it potentially similar to uh, last year, uh, in terms of the number of cases, yes, it, it, it could well be, it could be more. Uh, in terms of the number of hospitalizations, yes, that, that, that is entirely possible. The huge difference to last year is the vaccines and the boosters. The Taoiseach has said Ireland was winning the battle with COVID until the Omicron variant emerged. It's likely public health officials will recommend new restrictions tomorrow around social mixing over Christmas. There's also likely to be changes when it comes to international travel. Michal Martin has said testing will remain a key part of the battle against COVID. We were winning the battle against Delta. Uh, The hospitals are down again today and the likelihood is that they'll go down for the next week um, and, and ICUs. But now Omicron has arrived on the scene and the the, the clear public health advice is that it will spread more rapidly. The data is not there yet in respect of how severe, you know, how severe its impact will be on health. 
There are 24 newly confirmed cases of the Omicron variant of COVID-19, bringing the total to 42. The Chief Medical Officer, Tony Holohan, says there is now community transmission of the new strain here. While only 42 cases have been officially confirmed, he says the variant actually accounts for about 13% of all new cases. A total of 4,235 new COVID cases have been reported today, with 47 deaths over the past week. Professor Emer Shelley from the Royal College of Physicians says it's clear Omicron is more transmissible than other variants. It's still too early to say whether or not it leads to more severe illness. And we'll see that from the early surge in the UK and the extent to which that translates into severe illness. We have to assume that given the very large number of cases, even if a smaller proportion turn into serious illness, that's going to be a lot of cases and a lot of families dealing with somebody in hospital over Christmas and the New Year. The cost of a home increased at the highest annual rate since 2015, according to new figures from the CSO. The figures show prices rose nationally in the year to October by 13.5%. Chairperson of the Association of Irish Mortgage Advisors, Trevor Grant, says a lack of supply is still having an impact on property.